0: You're listening to Sports Betters Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, another G wizzy Wednesday. Jimmy Auden and Greg Waddell from the field of 68. Your kind of time of the season. ain't hey, no doubt the smaller conferences are underway, Greg, and um uh, well, a one and two week uh, on the show, but still the the, oh, the first losing week on G wizzy Wednesdays. Uh but 17-9-1, very very good still and um well, uh, you also came on my radio show and gave out to Iowa. And, well, did you did you go to Mass? Did you light an extra candle? Did you get a confession? Uh, wait, how, how, how did you did you buy somebody dinner? What, what, how did you uh, get that off your conscience?
1: You know, I think I'm currently serving my penance for that right now because that was the first of, of five winners for me on Saturday, 5-0 sweep. And uh, I followed that up immediately with a winless Sunday, 0-3, yesterday a 1-2 day. So the things that I have done to deserve an Iowa victory there, I'm not proud of. uh, Mm -hmm. But I do think the karma of the universe is coming back for me. I'm hoping to get the ship on the right track here today.
0: What, I mean, Izzo, defending and rebounding, correct? I mean, you score 101 in regulation, and you cannot, you cannot win the game. You cannot cover five and a half. I mean, uh, I'm sitting there with plus five and a half, and and saying, "Well, you shoot eighty three percent regulation from three. I'm done. I'm cooked. You know, at at uh, overtime, and they uh, bailed. and of course they let them dribble it out there, exhausted the last ten seconds, you know, <laughs> and let it lay on six. Give me a three uh, at the buzzer. Uh, but um, what's 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 the thoughts on Izzo? I mean, he's kind of one of the, the last one's kind of hanging on sort of from uh, sort of from his era.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have hypothesized here in the state of Michigan for probably the last six, seven years that he was on his way out. You can tell how much he hates the changes in the game from a larger viewpoint. Like just stepping back, he hates the transfer portal. He doesn't like the NIL. He's not well-equipped to excel in that era, in my opinion, compared to some of these younger coaches who have really adopted it, um, but he's so stubborn. That's the thing. Like, what Part of what makes him so great is how stubborn he is. I mean, at this point, he shows no signs of, of wanting to leave. He's got a top recruiting class coming in next year, uh, but this okay. is now three straight middle-of-the-pack finishes for him in the Big Ten and The Big Ten is not a good conference this year. Michigan State's looking like they're going to finish eight or nine, depending on if they win that final game of the season this weekend. Uh, It's baffling, man. It really is. They had a nice bounce back last night when it looked like they were going to get ran out of the gym in Lincoln, Nebraska. So, uh, you know, they're kind of one of those cockroach teams. you got to step on them. you got to make sure you extinguish them. And uh, they did the opposite against Iowa.
0: Yeah, it would have been a really nice win uh, at a tough place to win this year in Iowa City. Uh, on Saturday and I mean they could not have played any better as far as the as the shooting. It was phenomenal. Still finished over 70% uh, from three. Hit almost everything from the line over 90% uh, and well over 50% uh, from the field. Greg, philosophically this time of the year as we get into the conference tournaments um, do you I mean general approach or do you have anything or it's just case by case situation as far as Smaller conferences, maybe more pressure on the favorites that have, you know, one bid leagues that have to get it done. Uh, Teams on the bubble, if they have some added pressure or added incentive. Um, One that I have is the the, I'm hedge ready. And it's two things, I think, because you can get a favorite in game that is sort of taking their opponent, has their seed set and taking their opponent for granted. And kind of going to you know fall behind, and then they're going to kick it in at some point. But you're going to get a much better number uh, than pre-flop. And also, the teams that are the lower seeds that are this, this is it for them, man. They're not going to quit. You know, they're going to continue to play, and it lends itself to some crazy comebacks as well because they're just leaving it all out on the line. So it's it you know podcasts are not good for in-game, but. Be ready in-game because there are some, and I don't like to hedge and straight give it a, give something back, but look for middles looking to increase your profit, lower lower the risk, increase the profitability uh, chances. Any thoughts on your approach as we get to this time of the season?
1: Yeah, I always love to try and find a middle. You're 100% right. That's uh, never a losing approach. But uh, for me, it, the, the spots that I look for are teams that might be feeling some pressure. Because, like you said, there's a lot to play for depending on where you're at in the spectrum. Like you, you could be one of the top four teams in the country and feel like you need to win out to preserve the number one seed in your region. You could be a team that's on the bubble that feels you can't lose another game and you're going home and you're going to be in the NIT. I think that there's a ton of teams that definitely have reason to win games. But there's varying levels of fear, varying levels of pressure associated with it. Like, if the number one seed team loses and goes to the number two line, like they, they don't feel pressure right. worrying yeah. about that more than they do, let's just go take this opportunity. Whereas a team on the bubble uh, or a team that, like you said, is in a smaller conference that might be holding on to their conference championship at that moment but could lose it with one wrong step in the opposite direction. Those are the teams I like to fade because I think you start to see that creep in. Um, And there's a team, they're they're not on my list um, just yet, but Texas plays TCU this week. Mm -hmm. Texas needs to win to preserve a chance to beat Kansas, the final game of the regular season. I think they might get bit by TCU because I think they're going to feel that pressure a little bit more than they would just any given game.
0: Nice win to uh, in Lubbock on Saturday for TCU, um, and uh, since so they're they're two and one now, but both straight up and against the spread since Mike Smile Mike Miles Jr. has returned. All right, uh, Greg, let's go to the Big East. Uh, this is a six thirty Eastern uh, tip. Uh, Providence 8-0 and at home in conference play, hosting the Musketeers. Xavier with a blowout win on Friday night uh, in Newark against uh, the Pirates of Seton Hall, the offensively challenged uh, Pirates. Providence a three and a half at home where they're so tough.
1: Yeah, that's the story here. They're so good at home. They're 15-0 and on the season. 13 of those 15 wins, they've covered a three-and-a-half point spread. And then on the flip side, I don't think Xavier's playing their best basketball right now. They've been without Zach Fremantle. He's more important than people thought he was. I'm a little surprised people didn't realize how important he was. I think he's their best all-around player, even though Sule boom has been great in the backcourt. But they've lost three of their last five games without him, uh, and they haven't exactly been quote-unquote, good losses, which you can rack up a lot of in the Big East. I mean, they lost at Hinkle to Butler. Butler's a pretty awful basketball team, man. Like, that, it just wasn't a good game, and they trailed the entire game in that one. And they lost at home against Villanova. I know Villanova's turned it around, but if you're a top three team in the Big East at home, you've got to hold serve there. So I'm just kind of looking at Xavier a little skeptical right now. I don't think they're the same team that they've been for the first three months of the season. Uh, and three-and-a-half just feels small to me. I mean, I would expect this line to be five-and-a-half, maybe six. I think you're getting a couple points of value there.
0: I, I agree. I agree with that one. Uh, and they they just have a little extra juice at home, too, man. They are really tough uh, at home this year. Creighton, Creighton played well uh, at Providence. Still lost. It was double overtime. But they're very, very tough. Uh, Xavier, what do you think about the uh, putting up the threes instead of dribbling out the clock? And they got a little bit of a little, uh, little, you know, a little uh, altercation. Uh, Shaheen, Shaheen Holloway pushing his players back, but he had some words for uh, Sean Miller when they shook hands. He kind of thought it was you know, so, you know, you coach your team, well, eh, you know, whatever, but uh, it was a little, uh, little, little uh, a couple of point guard turned coaches uh, from this uh, league, uh, you know, having it out a little bit uh, at the end of that game. Did you see that?
1: Yeah, I saw it, and uh, as a fan, I love it. I mean, anytime you can get a little added drama worked into the script at the end of the game, I mean, that's just fun, right? It's unique as long as nothing bad happens, but I was surprised. I mean, Sean Miller's coach for so long. And I don't really recall this ever being a problem with one of his teams. I don't associate uh, the way he coaches basketball or his teams into doing that type of extracurricular stuff. Uh, If anything, I would have thought that would have came from Seton Hall potentially just in a first year head coach in that league's team. Probably, um, you know, if the score had been flipped, maybe the result had would have been flipped as well. Maybe that team's a little excited. It was a hotly contested game. Uh, But yeah, I don't think there was too much to worry about there. More than just a—that's a pretty interesting moment. (laughs)
0: Well, you want some hate? Uh, let's go to all, uh, Auburn and Alabama. That's they—they—they uh, they, they know how to start it up, no matter what. I mean, burning down each other's campus trees or whatever it is, whatever it involves between these two in basketball. It's always uh, fun as well. bamboo's was nine and a half. Ooh, boy, the chalk early dogs late applies here. It's crept—it's uh, crept up to ten uh, already. Auburn is on a slide. They got. I (laughs) housed in Rupp Arena on uh, Saturday in, well, no more bubble uh, for Kentucky with their four-game winning streak. The Miller Distractions played three pretty shaky halves in an overtime and then a very good second half against Arkansas. Arkansas with a flurry at the end to backdoor it, but still Bama looked really good and seemed like they just – Turned it up a notch in that second half. Now, uh, here comes visiting Auburn. This was a close one on a Saturday game in Auburn. But now at home, Bama minus nine and a half. Now 10 at Bent Rivers.
1: Yeah, so looking at Alabama, it's been a, a, I mean, just a messy week to say the least. Uh, The the Oats comments last week and then the Arkansas game, whatever that pregame introduction was, just a horrendous look. Uh, And I don't know. I mean, they're at home, right? You would expect them to be more comfortable from everything I saw and heard. The Alabama crowd, I mean, really rallied around that group and really rallied around Brandon Miller in spite of everything he was doing. Uh, which feels a little crazy to me. Nate Oates has to keep taking responsibility for this stuff. He keeps saying that it's his fault. It's all on him. At this point, like I wouldn't be surprised today if Brandon Miller comes out, lays down on the ground, and has a teammate draw a chalk outline around
0: I him. Mean, yeah, <laughs> what Oates, next, really?
1: Like, it's, something's going to happen, and Nate Oates is going to say he's delusional and doesn't know what happened, but it's his fault still. Like, the, the point is, I don't think any of this is affecting them from a basketball perspective. I saw enough in the second half against the Arkansas game. Like, I, I just think that they're still capable of playing to their ceiling. I mean, Arkansas was playing great ball at that point. It looked like a certain Alabama loss. The moment was too big, and then all of a sudden they turned it on and looked like the best team in the country like they have for 90% of this season. So... When you factor in the fact that Auburn is really bad right now, I mean, this is a team that honestly I think is in danger of missing the NCAA tournament if they lose their last two games. They've lost seven of their last ten. I think some of that pressure is going to start creeping in between the ears here. They're 1-8 and on the season against top 40 opponents. And they just came off a 32-point loss at Rupp Arena to a Kentucky team that can't hold a candle to this Alabama team. So. It feels like a spot to me where if Alabama plays even their B game, they should win this by double digits, and I kind of expect them to at this point.
0: Yeah, I uh, I expect them uh, to do it as well. Already bet uh, Alabama earlier this morning uh, at a more favorable number, uh, no question. And it's um, you know uh, uh, we thought that Bruce Pearl could kind of get them going, but uh, listen, it's not the team he had last year. That's fine, but. Usually his teams get better, and this team is is not doing that. They're not on. That, they're not on the improve, and maybe a little out of control. Shoot first, point go. Heck, he shot whatever he wanted when when he had Javari Smith there. <laughs> I mean, so he's certainly going to do it now. And yes, Nate Oates. Well, uh, well, it's been going on all year, but I don't I don't watch it. All right, that makes sense. <laughs> so Maryland uh, minus two against Ohio State. These two played on Sunday. Maryland rolled Northwestern. At home, Ohio State got a rare win. My goodness, broke their long losing streak uh, straight up and against the spread in uh, Ohio State, uh, you know, uh, routing uh, the Illini. Um, now back at home, are you ready to back Ohio State again? Are they starting a little something here? A little by-low spot? But Maryland, the metrics certainly love them. The NET is very strong. They are up to a – open up one and a half. It's at two at Ohio State. Maryland favored.
1: Yeah, I'm not ready to back Ohio State at all. I don't think there will ever be a point this season that I am. And in fact, they've got two games left on the regular season schedule. Then they've got one minimum in the Big Ten tournament. And I can promise you I'll be fading them every step of the way. This is a team, again, I just have to say it, even though they got the win against Illinois and the cover against Illinois, they've lost 14 of their last 16 games. They haven't covered 14 of their last 16 games. That's an insane run for a team that before that stretch was valued by every metric in the sport as a top 25 team in the country. And the metrics still haven't come all the way around on them. I mean, they evaluate this team as if they're a bubble team when, I mean, they haven't been close on the actual basketball court. So I feel like this is a spot more for an Ohio State team who I hate their habits. I mean, if you watch them play basketball, forget the records aside, uh, like they, they just do so many losing things. They've got a ton of youth A ton of transfers who are here for a a cup of tea, and then they're going to have their senior day tonight, and they barely even played at Ohio State. And none of it has come together as a cohesive unit. There's no communication. There's horrible body language. There's horrible shots. But they have talent, right? That's why they can go out and surprise Illinois when you think they're dead. Um, To me, this is much more a, hey, they got their Super Bowl. Like, oh, we didn't expect we were going to win a game the rest of the season. We got one. Now it's back to normal. Now it's back to the letdown spot. And Maryland, man, they've been a really good team. They just haven't won their road games. And I think Ohio State, with who they are right now, has been an opportunity for the good teams in the Big Ten. Where if you have a road game against Ohio State, even if you struggle on the road, that's one that you can go win. And it helps your resume in a bigger way than it should based on how much the metrics love Ohio state. I think Maryland knows that. I mean, they won by 16 over Northwestern over the weekend. They beat Purdue recently. They've won eight of their last 10th. They're just playing great basketball uh, over a long stretch now. And I think they seize this opportunity and get the win in the cover.
0: All right. Uh, So the Terrapins minus the two on the road in Columbus of the uh, crazy games Saturday and Sunday. Um, the, in the in-game payouts, uh, the big payouts, uh, so Michigan on Sunday uh, coming back, uh, plus 280 was the most profitable ticket, the longest shot that cashed at Bet Rivers. Troy Backer sent me uh, these numbers. Florida State cashed at plus 1,300, 13-1. One. Arizona State plus 1,300. Iowa plus 1,300, but nobody cashed a bigger ticket than on the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. They were getting smashed on Sunday against Penn State. I think twenty-eight, uh, I think it was nineteen in the first half. And they come all the way back and win and don't even score that many points. Uh boy, the uh Penn State just uh, shut it down offensively. Northwestern on a after being so hot on a little mini two game losing streak, including being routed by Maryland on Sunday, blowing that big lead at Champaign. Uh that, that cost you your your parlay. That was brutal. They're back home where they're comfortable. Minus three and a half against Penn State.
1: Yeah, they're comfortable. You said it. They're 5-1 and in their last six Big Ten home games, and those five wins have not come against the bottom of the barrel here. They have wins over Indiana, Iowa, and Purdue in that span. I'm taking this Northwestern team seriously. I really am. Their backcourt, boo -boo Booie Chase Audige, is pretty dang dynamic. I mean, it's two guys who can go get you 15, 20 points a night, uh, they get to play the matchups. If one of them has a weaker defender, they lean heavily into that. And they're just surrounded by smart, unselfish guys. I mean, it's not uh, name-brand type basketball players. It's not the five stars who have other opportunities. It's just guys who are in the right spots, really communicate and rotate defensively, are all shooting threats from the outside, and don't mind if they only take one shot in a game while the two backcourts hunt their offense. Penn State, to me... I mean, that loss to Rutgers is a backbreaking loss, right? This is a team that I think feels like they are good enough to make the NCAA tournament, but feels like they have just dropped the ball over and over again when they've had opportunities to build a resume. And I think that loss to Rutgers, honestly, is the type of loss that makes them feel like there's nothing they can do anymore. I don't mean to play psychologist, but they're not – in the first four out. They're not in the next four out. Like they, they, At this point, they can't win their next two games and be projected even on the bubble at this point. They're going to need a run in the Big Ten tournament, uh, and for that to happen in the fashion it did, where they're just up so much, and then all of a sudden they can't score for 10 minutes. I think that's a heartbreaking, back-breaking loss. Penn State's 1-5 on the road this season against teams that will play in the NCAA tournament. I mean, Northwestern's great at home. Uh, three and a half, kind of similar to the Providence line here. It just feels too shallow to me.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree. Some really short, uh, some short numbers uh, at uh, at home. The Penn State uh, collapse, and yeah, I do think their bubble has been bursting. You know, now they're uh, NET at uh, sixty. Uh, again, we talk about the forties being that bubble range, so they they're out. They got to make a. a a deep run into the Big Ten tournament to get any type of uh, consideration. It, um, uh, but yeah, they that was at home. Northwestern's collapse was at least on the road. You know when the fans get into it, and then they you know get that that momentum's hard to break. It's something similar would happen to Alabama uh, and Arkansas. So. But that was just uh, a rough one. And Penn State looked like they were going to have a a good season at one point this year. So I'm on Northwestern minus three. I like like the picks. I like the picks today. So uh, what's uh, you you guys traveling this weekend, Greg? Yeah, we got our final trip of the season for our College
1: Hoops to Go series. We're going to Purdue. They host Illinois. Uh, Honestly, if Purdue could lose at the Kohl Center before that so that they still need that win, to cut down the nets, that would be pretty special for me. So I'm hoping the batters can pull that off. But we're bringing our scissors with us, Jimmy. We got a celebration uh, to ensue on Sunday.
0: All right. All right. Have fun with that. Greg, 17 9 and 1 on the season. You can follow him at the field of 68 as well at G Wizzy 12. G Wizzy Wednesdays, we do it uh, every week on Jimmy Yacht for Greg Waddell on the Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network.